God. Athanasius's bond with you is, I am very impressed with Flower's physique. He's proven himself <laughs> to be very reliable in combat and also as a companion. I appreciate his loyalty. Also, I horny. You you added that. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah, you did. Everybody, uh, welcome back to our podcast, Tales from the Table. I am Cloud, the dungeon master and creator of this adventure, and around our virtual table we have Athanasius, Flower, and Caden. All right, this is one of those fun episodes where one of you gets to give a summary of what happened last time. I can do it! Yay! Flower, go! Woohoo! Um, we were in the Gallimaufry and we were hanging out, and we're like, yeah, we got about a week to do things because why not? So Caden was like, I want to do stealth stuff. And Raya was like, all right, let's do stealth stuff. And so Raya taught Caden stealth stuff. And now he can stealth. It's great. And Athanasius was like, I want to be able to read this book. And Gilbert was like, all right, let's read this book together. And then they got that book down. Uh, got some interesting stuff about it from um, that it's like about what? Transmuting magic into to golems and stuff that's that's not quite it but but yeah ish Something transferring like consciousness and then there was some other stuff about um some troubling spells that would be like uh augmenting uh humanoids with uh like other uh, animate and inanimate objects that's what i meant to say yeah and flower uh made some kind of bad food and then Gilbert helps him make some better food, and mm-hmm. he sparred with Virginia for a while and began the process of maybe getting through to her a little. She didn't actively attack him with magic, so that's a start. And uh, most recently, a mysterious uh, elfin man has emerged from a closet and is bearing bad news. It just occurred, <laughs> just occurred to me that I had him come out of a closet. Yep. I doubt he was ever in a closet to begin with. But... Uh, he was not. <laughs> I can assure you. Uh, yes, this <laughs> this wonderful, beloved gentleman was never in a closet. But uh, yes, uh, huh. I got to think more carefully about my words sometimes when I talk. Uh, yeah. All right. Fantastic. So um, everybody uh, who is present in Gallimaufry except for Tidia, who's still in the... <laughs> What are we calling it? The prisoner room? I'm pretty sure it still has a flower uh, where flower wrote on it in crayon, like, caution, prisoner, do not enter, uh, written on the door. Um, But yeah, everybody other than Virginia is uh, gathered around where this um, elven gentleman has just stepped out of a closet. Um, That doesn't seem to bother him, so... Uh, by that fact, you get the impression he's probably been here before. Uh, and he looks at uh, Antonia and says, Sula, Antonia, ah, sorry to uh, come here unexpectedly, but uh, I have some grave news, unfortunately. I see you've uh, acquired some new friends, he says as he looks over the three of you. Hi. Hello. 
Uh, my name is Casimir. Uh, what are your names? <laughs> he says it looks a little bit awkward. Uh, I'm Athanasius Argentianus Anglician. You can just call me uh, Athen. All right. And I'm Flower. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I don't believe I've ever had the pleasure of meeting a serpent folk before. I'm honored. The pleasure's all mine. And he looks down at uh, Caden. I- I'm I'm Caden. I stick out my hand. Uh, he he bends over a little bit so he can he can reach down to your hand and shakes it very politely. This is a pleasure to uh, make your acquaintance as well, Caden. You too. Me me too. You too. <laughs> he laughs and he has a lovely, rich, warm laugh. He looks around and says, uh, "The closet this time, eh? <laughs> nice." Uh, perhaps we could, and, uh, Antonia's already on top of things. She's, uh, she's whisking off to the, uh, what you guys by now have figured out is sort of the area where people get together when they need to, you know, talk as a group. Um, that area that's sort of, uh, seems permanently adjoined to the kitchen, which is kind of rare because usually things jumble around a lot. But no matter what order things are, the kitchen is always adjoining this sort of, for lack of a better term, sitting room uh, where you guys tend to have your meetings. Um, and I think everybody starts to settle themselves in there. Uh, Antonia makes uh, tea and coffee. Um, if anybody wants to help her, they are welcome to do so. Oh, of course. Yeah, I fig- I figured maybe maybe Flower and Caden might might be uh jumping up by now helping her get everything ready. You you've 100%. picked up by now on her habit of always offering that as a sort of sign of hospitality to anyone who comes here. I think Athen is very experienced in making coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although um I think maybe the coffee Athanasius is used to drinking is sort of like the gross, like, college student, like, making it at 3 a.m. coffee. Uh, whereas Antonia um, brews this lovely, um, you know, beautifully roasted, uh, very dark coffee um, that she serves in, you know, beautiful cups and from a beautiful coffee pot. Um, this isn't your slap two spells together at, you know, 4 a.m. and hope it doesn't set off the magical fire alarm uh, coffee of your youth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think uh, everybody comes back out uh, into the sitting room as Antonia passes around cups of tea and or coffee, whichever people prefer. And um, this uh, newcomer, Casimir, uh, then uh, begins to uh, address the assembled group. Uh, you notice uh, as he starts talking that uh, Artean and Antonia look especially worried. They look kind of grave. And he says, I do apologize for coming here without giving the customary warning uh, that I would be arriving uh, a bit of a situation has developed on the ground uh, in Saloon. Um, nowhere uh, near uh, Najman, actually. Um, uh, some trouble has arisen in the area around Zuljara. And Antonia kind of looks at him and says, That's, correct me if I'm wrong, Casimir, but wasn't Zuljara completely destroyed in the Calamity? 
And uh, as he sort of takes a sip of coffee, he says, Yes, it was um, entirely swallowed by quicksand. It was uh, quite a tragedy. Um, but believe it or not, I started hearing rumors, oh, maybe a month ago now. Uh, people started reporting that where Zuljara once stood, there was a city again. Quite unusual, although one hears all sorts of things in these uh, quite unusual times. But it seems the rumors are true. Um, there's a sort of... I don't know how quite to describe it best. A mirage? A phantom uh, specter of the city has reappeared where it once stood, but altered in some aspects. <laughs> you uh, might be tempted not to believe me when I uh, say all the sorts of fanciful things people were telling me. Uh, I was hearing the most extravagant rumors People finding heaps of jewels on the ground. People finding gardens full of fruit out of season. Fountains full of perfume and wine. It's the stuff of fairy tales uh, this uh, city is purported to contain. Where, mind you, uh, all reputable sources said there was only quicksand and flesh strippers and night-stalking beasts. But... Uh, I went to check it out for myself, as uh, I think anyone would, and uh, indeed, uh, the rumors do appear to be true. There is indeed some sort of city, although I am not, mm, I am a bit doubtful as to uh, how substantial its nature is, but there's definitely something there, bathed in perpetual twilight in the middle of the desert. And, uh, indeed, I found a gentleman there on the outskirts who had managed to bring some items, he claimed, back from within the city, uh, which was rather extraordinary because uh, I had also been hearing tales that people who had ventured in there had not returned. Oh, that's the bad news, because up until that point, it sounded like, like pretty good news. Yes, sadly, uh... Things like that are a little, uh, little bit too good to be true, no? Uh, yes, that's the bad news. But this gentleman, uh, he, he made it back out. I might have doubted his claims, except that he did manage to bring things back with him, which is kind of the most extraordinary thing of all. He had a ruby as big as an ostrich egg. Never seen the like in all my years. Even in the, the greatest palaces and museums, I'd never seen a gem of this quality and size. He pulled out of his possessions a blooming purple rose. I'd never seen color like this on a flower. It, it almost seemed to glow with a light of its own, and clearly had been cut days ago and never wilted, uh, despite being severed from its branch. And... Most troubling of all, and you can see he looks very distressed as he says this, and he pulls uh, out of his pack a small glass jar, and inside you can all see there is what looks like a butterfly. Um, you all want to make me perception checks? Boom. 
Peyton with on point with those perceptions. I love always. these new uh, storm dice you got me, Audrey. Fuck yeah. Uh, Natty twenty. All right, fantastic. Twenty two. Nine. Okay, maybe Flower is sitting furthest away. Uh, but Caden and Athanasius, um, you notice, uh, you, I mean, you can see this thing. It looks like a fluttering uh, butterfly or moth. It looks like tan, you know, or cream colored. Um, but I think it, it alights for a second on the side of the jar. And you notice uh, that it is actually an origami butterfly. It's made of paper. Uh, and furthermore, uh, it is made of paper that has writing on it. Uh, not printed uh, writing, um, but uh, handwriting of some sort. And uh, Casimir holds up this uh, glass jar containing this uh, origami butterfly, which then continues to to flit around the inside of the jar. Have you read it yet? Uh, I'm coming to that bit, although it would be hard to read the entire thing without dismantling it, and I'm loath to destroy... Such a beautiful and fragile thing. It's a piece of paper. Is it, though? Uh, this this traveler had several of these small animated paper animals in his possession. He said they were all over in the city. It seemed like normal living things had fled, but there were these strange... I don't know how else to describe it. Paper paper beings inhabiting the whole city um made of of paper with writing on them uh maybe uh pages of books or in this case letters sounds like enchanted paper well yes take a look here uh see on the underside of the left wing and uh he shows it to you and you can see that there is a signature there um, it's a little bit hard for you to read, uh, I think, especially because you don't, uh, you definitely don't speak, uh, or read or write Solunari Elvish, do you? No. I'm no, also okay. not a linguist, but like somebody else in the group. Right. Uh, Athanasius, oh, damn, do you, uh, have Solunari Elvish as one of your languages? I do indeed. Fantastic. Uh, then you can read uh, the. It's, a, it's still a little hard to read someone's handwriting, but uh, and as you lean in, uh, you can see what the signature says. Um, and it says, "All my love, Farasha." And you look at Casimir, and he is weeping. You see tears rolling down his his cheeks, and he says, "This." This letter was signed by my mother. Uh, this, this piece of paper, this butterfly, cannot exist. This is one of the love letters my mother wrote to my father back in their courtship. But when she died, my father burned all her letters in his, in his grief. Uh, I never thought I would see these letters again. And yet here it is in my hand and given this strange new life i have no explanation for it uh it it goes beyond belief it's an age of wonders i think after he as he says this uh antonia reaches out and puts a, one of her bandaged hands on his on his shoulder 
um, which is rare. You honestly very rarely see Antonia um, touch people. Uh, she does do things with her hands, like make the tea and coffee and, and things like that. And her hands don't seem to cause her pain, but um, she still doesn't, like, um, you know, shake your hands or anything like that. And she tends to be kind of careful about what she touches. And he, in turn, sort of gently puts his, his hand on her shoulder as well. Ah, uh, forgive me. I, uh, I wasn't, um, expecting to find so personal an omen. Uh, but two things, uh, became clear to me. One, things that have been lost are reappearing in this, this twilight city. And things that are real seem to be losing something of their substance there. Uh, this man who traveled in and, and brought these things back out seemed mm, off somehow. I, I can't really quite explain why. He seemed very loath to part with the treasures he had gained there, uh, despite the fact that selling them would have gotten him much more wealth than just holding on to them. He seemed diminished somehow in substance and that is why i came so suddenly also uh the area of twilight surrounding the city uh has not merely been stable it has been growing uh recently already it has uh swallowed up several small settlements that were once uh on the outskirts of zuljara um and it it is spreading at seemingly a faster and faster rate and as i said uh most people who go in there or who mm, find themselves overtaken by it uh, are not seen or heard from again i can't say what happens to them but based on uh this one man who i saw uh i would guess that whatever it is it's not pleasant first i turn to casimir you started off describing this as a mirage could you elaborate on that yes uh, it's hard to find a word exactly for what this phenomena is it appears to actually have some sort of real physical substance or else obviously we wouldn't be able to bring things back from inside and yet, it seems eerily unreal, almost like something out of a dream. Um, the whole area is covered in uh, perpetual, never-ending twilight. Um, not unpleasant to look at. Uh, in fact, it's quite beautiful, uh, with bright stars and cool evening breezes. But perhaps with something more sinister underneath. I turn to Antonia then. Based on the information you gave us about a week ago now, it would seem like one of the aspects is most likely responsible for this. Based on the fact that destroyed stuff is coming back, I would guess illusion rather than enchantment. Antonia and Casimir are, are both nodding. Casimir says, Yes, I... Well, uh... Uh, you you wouldn't know this, Athanasius, um, but uh, uh, Antonia here has been having me 
uh, keep an ear to the ground, such as it were, in Solun, where I live. Uh, I hail from the city of Najman, uh, which is quite a distance from Zuljara, but uh, I have been, you know, uh, looking out for rumors from all over the region. And uh, when I heard of this, I went to go investigate further. I wasn't sure at first if this could be possible cult activity or just some remnant of chaotic magic, but based on the fact that the phenomena is growing, uh, I, I do think it likely that there may be an aspect at the heart of it, which is why I hastened here to uh, make you aware of the situation. I sort of glance over at Raya during this, because I know she said she gets lost during these things, too. So I sort of give her the, we're on the same page eyes. Yeah, um, uh, she's kind of spaced out a little bit. Uh, you notice her kind of like twirling one of her knives uh, in her hands, kind of like over and over again, like a really small one. Um, and all of a sudden, as you look at her, she kind of like uh, snaps upright <laughs> and kind of like puts the knife away. Where do we go from here? Um, says Antonia. Uh, looking up, well, normally in this situation, I might have sent Raya to look at the situation, but Raya is not, uh, she's trying to find words without, like, you know, insulting Raya, and Raya's like, uh, remember I told you guys, uh, I'm a thief, uh, that, that's what I'm good at uh, i'm good at stealing stuff i'm not necessarily good at like any other stuff like if uh, if this was about being like sneaky or like stealing something or maybe like murdering a whole bunch of people to get to something uh you know like what i did before like that that was a good job for me but this i i don't i don't know about this this sounds like some crazy magic stuff what you did before, you mean trying to murder us? Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. If I, if I needed to murder you again, I'd be real good at it. Uh, yeah. Yep. Particularly with campfires. Still a little salty about that, by the way. Yeah, I can tell based on the fact that, you know, you keep bringing it up, you know, no matter how nice a person tries to be to you for a whole week. Antonia says, I know we haven't known you for very long, but... I really, at this point, don't have anyone else to ask. Would you be willing to go to investigate this phenomena and see if there is, in fact, an aspect at the heart of it? Of course. And then I look at the other two. <laughs> mm, sure. He's still kind of, like, looking at the butterfly. It's still fluttering around. It's behaving exactly like an ordinary butterfly, except that it is made of a love letter. Firebolt. It's in a glass jar, so uh, you 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 definitely can't do that. <laughs> I think I make it rain inside the jar. <laughs> oh, you dickwad! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay. I think Athen kind of sits back in his chair a little bit. You guys haven't done anything in this past week to make me distrust you at all, and have gone a long way towards earning my trust. But it is, I'm very loath to be betrayed, again, in the same way that Virtinia betrayed us. That is completely understandable, uh, Antonia says, um, looking at you. 
I confess I don't know how else to prove my trustworthiness, but if there is something I could do that would prove that to you, uh, all you have to do is name it. You never really told us how you came by your information about the Exalted and the Aspects. She she smiles, uh, like, ruefully, uh, as if to say, of course you would ask the, the one thing I'm loath to tell you. Well, no need to beat about the bush. I did say I was uh, a scholar at the university, yes? As you were, I believe, uh, just, you know, based on what I know about you. I nod. I believe I said also that uh, when I was there, I was studying divination. Uh, I had a friend, a very close friend. Um, uh, she was an elf from one of the cities in Hakari. Um, she was studying divination also. In fact, she was a prodigy, much, much better uh, at the art than I was. Uh, my skill was paltry compared to hers. No matter how hard I worked, no matter how much I studied, I could never match her. But she was my friend nonetheless. And when uh, the time came that the current exalted of divination was on their deathbed, indeed, the, the reason the exalted always knew when one of them was about to die was uh, precisely due to the exalted of divination's gift. They were the one that made sure that the succession always went smoothly. And when that time came, the council chose my friend uh, to succeed that person. And they initiated her, and she became uh, the next exalted of divination. But she was still my friend, even though she was not quite the same person after that. She was the one who told me about the rites and the binding and the spells of transference, um, even though those were secrets that she was not supposed to share. Which also means that your friend... Died, yes. I will... I will go on this mission with my companions. While I do not fully trust you yet, as I said, I have no reason to distrust you and i am very interested in the city from a academic perspective yeah if you want also um you got like anytime someone is talking to you like anytime you know antonia is revealing information or something like that feel free to roll an insight check like if you're trying like especially in a case like this where you're really trying to get the measure of her if you want to gauge like her level of truthfulness and whether she's being completely open and honest with you, uh, go ahead and, and roll an insight check. 18. Okay. Um, you are watching Antonia very minutely as she tells you this story. And you get the sense that she's, everything she has told you is completely true. Nothing she has told you is a lie. Um, you get that there might still be a little bit of something that she is holding back but um it, everything she has told you is completely true she didn't tell you any lies yeah and frankly she has no reason to trust us any more than we have a reason to trust right. her so the only thing she might have done was make a 
not exactly a lie, but maybe omit uh, something. And it might have been a personal detail. You get as she speaks about this friend that um, they were extremely close. Maybe they were even like more than friends, you know, that sort of thing. So there might be some personal details that she's not comfortable sharing. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Antonia uh, sort of furrows her brow. We will, of course, uh, need to think about what uh, what supplies you'll need to take along and and see that you're provided with that and everything. Let's see. Uh, flour, uh, you seem to have gained some uh, proficiency in the kitchen, yes? Why don't you come with me and we'll see if we can take care of finding some provisions. And uh, you two, uh, Caden and, and Athanasius, uh, why don't you go with uh, Artean and Gilbert? Uh, and they can uh, talk to you about any equipment needs you might have. Okay. Right. Let's do it. All right. Um, I'm not actually uh, going to necessarily, I, I think, flower make you RP doing stuff in the kitchen un unless you really want to. Um, suffice it to say, uh, you guys are, are doing your best to conjure some rations, uh, you know. those MREs. Yeah, MREs and, and, you know, water skins and stuff like that. Especially because um, I think Casimir uh, maybe adds to uh, Flower and Virginia. Yes, do make sure they have enough food and water for the journey. Obviously, the, the region is a little hard to forage in to begin with, but I have a, mm, call it a feeling, a gut feeling, uh, a worry about eating uh, or drinking any of the food uh, in this Twilight City. Anything created by this magic seems... It would seem foolish to, uh, to taste those fruits or drink that wine. I, uh, I think before I leave, I turn to Casimir and I say, you will be accompanying us, yes? Ah, uh, I will accompany you on the first leg of your journey to the outskirts of this affected area but I, uh, sadly, I am not a fighter. I am a, uh, a scholar, a researcher, a uh, sometimes a bit of a diplomat, um, but I'm not really very good in uh, a di braving a dangerous situation. I'll help get you there, but after that, once you enter this area, it's up to you. I laugh a bit, and uh, I say... Yeah, many of us who have started out as scholars, though, have learned to fight. Well, that that is uh, that is most certainly true. Uh, I certainly wouldn't pick a fight with Gilbert. Uh, <laughs> he's got a few tricks up his sleeve, that's for sure. And uh, you, uh, he sort of uh, looks at your uh, muscled physique. You look like you've seen a few battles. Just a few. Uh, if you guys walk up, or if uh, if Athanasius and Caden walk up to um, uh, the workshop uh, where uh, Artean and uh, Gilbert uh, will start, um, you know, sort of going through stuff, they've got you guys still have your your packs and everything, right? That except flour, uh, but they can they can get a new one for flour. So I think that they. They put together some uh, new, um, what did you have before? Dungeoneering packs? Roskell and Associates yeah. standard pack mark two or yeah. something. 
<laughs> yeah, but I that that was just flavor. It was like a it was a dungeoneering pack. I I do believe the one yeah. with the because we argued forever about how to pronounce pe pi pitons 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 pitons. pitons. We okay. We argued about it and we still don't know how to pronounce still it. We know. did figure out how to pronounce salve, but we we <laughs> are still getting hung up on. Look, I thought we looked it up at some point and it was really weird. Like it was like pitons or something like that. Yeah, it I is piton. I just looked it up what? again. Hold, see, oh my god, I hate that. I hate that too. Can we please just call them pitons? If we can get enough people, like more than half of the. <laughs> people in the world saying pythons that it'll change be... change the pronunciation that's how language works baby i know Let's yeah we do gotta, it we it's gotta Pythons make some language change because piton is completely unacceptable it has the word p in it it's not great <laughs> so yeah i think they're they put together some new dungeoneering packs for you guys so y'all have them a uh, flower notably chucked his into the pit underneath the animal stone rip that pack yeah, uh, and um, less less branding and more practicality. Exactly. Yeah, these are just. <laughs> um, I think these are a little bit uh, much like everything in Gallimaufry. They're a little bit of a hodgepodge, um, but they find a nice like uh, uh, like small person sized uh, backpack for Caden and and bigger ones for uh, Athen and Flower. Ooh. And notably, no one is trying to make Flower wear a shirt or pants. Um, Although he's more than welcome to wear the little barbarian kilt given to him by uh, Jim the Doorman. That's for special occasions. Yes, yes. That's your fan. That's for fancy dress parties. <laughs> if it's black tie, you go in the barbarian kilt. Now I'm just thinking flower in a dress. Which is oh great. my god! Someday, if we have uh, people who draw fan art, you know there's going to be flower in a dress, and he will look exquisite. It'll be amazing. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, now I want to draw that. Okay. Um, on track. Uh, at this point, Caden, um, especially, I did want to talk to you about, you had mentioned before, um, mm -hmm. maybe getting Artean to craft you some magic items, mm -hmm. which is a cool possibility. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I was willing. I, I believe I gave the... the uh, silver dagger yeah you well you said you were willing uh if it would help to sort of like make a trade or have him break down the dagger in in some way so yeah. here's what i came up with so um Artie can make you one of two things he can either fashion you a set of thieves cuffs which would be identical to raya's okay. uh, they just have this this stats of gloves of thievery mm-hmm or if you would like better, he can make you um, a pair of boots, which will make it much easier for you to move silently. For these, I'm just going to use the stats from uh, the Boots of Elven Kind. On um, both of these, you can find in the DMG. So in either case, he can make them kind of look however you like. Either one will uh, cost him about 400 uh, GP to make. Fortunately, uh, that dagger, uh, I, I did actually sort of figure this out based on what these things are. Uh, your dagger is actually worth about that much. So to cover the, the GP cost, if you would like, you can just give that to, to Artean uh, in like a trade. Or if you want, you can keep it and attempt to sell it. And if you try to sell it to the right person and you like roll good enough checks, you might get more than 400 GP for it. So it's kind of your choice how you want to do that. 
I definitely want the boots. Okay, cool. So uh, then you can either choose to give him the dagger or keep it if you like and try to sell it to um, get more money. Uh, I will give him the dagger. Okay, cool. And then lastly, uh, Artie is going to need a special component. So he says to make these boots, he is going to need a very pure crystal of void quartz. Um, Luckily for you, uh, it is found mostly in deposits in Saloon. Um, So uh, you might have a good chance of finding some where you are going to go. Now, would that be something like... I have to go find a rocky area and pull out a pickaxe or... No, I'm not going to make you like Breath of the Wild style, like run around looking for an ore deposit and then smash it with a hammer. Uh, this would be more like something like, um, you know, when when you get there, uh, or you could even ask Casimir, like you can start talking to people, be like, hey, I'm, I'm looking to find this. Do you know where maybe I could find that or someone I could talk to? And they might start pointing you in the right direction. And eventually you'll be able to acquire some from somebody, that kind of thing. Um, or maybe if you're really lucky um, while you are uh, on your adventures, uh, you might come across a treasure trove that actually has some in it or something like that. So uh, he can get started on on those boots for you, Caden, since you've given him the dagger. And uh, then when you get back, if you give him uh, a pure crystal of void quartz, uh, then he will be able to complete the boots for you and you will uh, have those uh, once you see him again. Okay. All right. All right. Fantastic. Got it written down. Okay. Um, uh, I think at this point, uh, Antonia and Flower uh, come up and uh, they have rations and uh, water skins and uh, everything everybody will need. Uh, I think they look around and uh, Antonia asks, was there anything else you needed before you leave? Bathroom break? <laughs> anything? Some more coffee would be nice. She's definitely already packed an extra thermos of coffee for you, which she points out. Oh, yeah. Hang on. I run and I grab a bunch of books from the library and go and stack them in Virginia's room to give her something to do while I'm gone. <laughs> okay. I think uh, I think maybe by accident you you, uh, you do grab some like um, some like super boring books, uh, which are mostly what Gilbert owns because he's like a scholar. So they're mostly like uh, a history of the blood war between, um, you know, the uh, centaur tribes of the uh, Solunari wastes and like uh, draconic through the ages and things like that. Um, and, but then I think you also, um, uh, a few of the books, when you actually open them, uh, they just have uh, the covers of other books that have been sort of like put on them, but inside it's all of uh, Raya's like porn novels <laughs> that she's she's slowly Perfect. been been hiding in uh, like uh, in amongst Gilbert's books, hoping no one will notice them. So uh, that's a real dangerous game, girl. I know, I know. Well, you know, that's kind of that's Raya. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't always make the best decisions. Yeah, Gilbert's probably not going to be happy when he goes to like look up um like a treatise on troll anatomy and he opens it up and it's actually like uh love in the time of dinosaurs or something like that. Like And it is a book about troll anatomy. Oh, it is, but way. not the kind he was looking for. He's like, mm, this treatise, I don't remember uh, uh, scholar Actinaeus writing in this particular style. 
Uh, anyway, yeah, so you leave Virginia some kind of interesting books. Uh, and she... A mix. <laughs> she gives you kind of a quizzical look, and she says, uh, my hands are manacled, but uh, thank you anyway. <laughs> okay, stay out of trouble, bye! <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, sure thing. All right. Okay, when you, Flower, when you get back, uh, you see that Artean, uh he has, like, opened a, a drawer uh, that contains a whole bunch of uh, variously assorted, like, brass skeleton keys. Uh, and he takes one, uh, and he hands it to you very gravely. Uh, he puts it very carefully in the palm of one of your hands. This key, uh, if you insert it into any lock... Uh, it will open a portal back here to, uh, to Gallimaufry. Uh, but be careful, because you can only use it one time, okay? Okay. Okay. Also, uh, you do have to be careful. The portal doesn't discriminate. Uh, anybody can come through, so make sure you do it somewhere safe. All right, cool. You're, gi you're giving the key to me? Just me? Uh, yeah. Just, just, okay. just you. Cool. Responsibility. I love it. I mean, you you do have the most hands to hold on to it. That's true. Seemed maybe I'm thinking of maybe putting it around my neck, though. Yeah, that's that's fine too. Safekeeping. Whatever you think is best. And okay. uh, Casimir pulls out of a pouch, uh, just a very small, ordinary pebble, and hands it to Artean. And he says, uh, "Took this from uh, an inn uh, on the uh, edge of the affected area." Uh, I believe that's enough for you to work your magic, yes? And uh, Artie uh, just nods, and uh, he instantly uh, begins to do a very uh, unusual and kind of cool spell. Um, the rock uh, sort of dissolves into dust, and all of a sudden, there in the uh, middle of the workshop is a portal uh, that you guys can walk through. I do. All right. Yeah, you. I mean, you just just like the portal that brought you to Gallimaufry. It, it isn't like it's not like the Stargate. It's not like just like blue like weirdness inside. You can see what's on the other side of it, and it appears to just be a, a dark room with a firm floor and you know everything like that. Uh, actually, looks <laughs> it looks like a dark, empty pantry. Interesting. Here we go. Casimir will will go through last. And um, as the portal closes behind you, uh, Artie uh, waves and says, uh, goodbye, good luck, uh, be careful, please be careful. Uh, and uh, Antonia uh, waves and gives you a reassuring smile as the portal winks out of existence. And you are now in a fairly shabby, dark, uh, deserted, and completely empty pantry. As you look around, um, you see that, like, all the shelves and everything are bare, and there's, like, a couple empty barrels and boxes and things like that. Uh, however, there isn't much in the way of, like, dust or cobwebs, um, so it doesn't look like this is old and abandoned. And, in fact, uh, you can hear some voices uh, coming from, uh, like, uh, somewhere above you. Um, and there's, um, there's a door out. It's not locked. Let's go out. After you, Casimir. <laughs> uh, Casimir gives you a smile, uh, and, and uh, he, he pushes open the door uh, and, and chuckles a little bit and says under his breath, 
never quite sure where Artie's portals will uh, will let out, but I, I think he hit it right on the mark. And uh, sure enough, uh, when you guys emerge, you are in uh, what is clearly a rather rundown and shabby inn and tavern. Um, and you sort of come out into sort of like the like kitchen and food prep area, but you can see out into the like dining room uh, where there are a few people uh, sitting at tables. Um, but again, uh, you notice like in the kitchen area, there's maybe like a few pots and pans, but most everything has been cleaned off the shelves. Um, and again, no dust and cobwebs. So it looks like this place has been cleaned out, but fairly recently. Um, sitting out in the uh, dining area, you see only a handful of people. Uh, you see, first of all, a catfolk person uh, who looks a bit different than most catfolk. Uh, catfolk come in all shapes and sizes. Some of them uh, are small, only about cadence size, and look more like house cats. Some of them are uh, as large as orcs and uh, have a more lion or tiger-like shape. Some of them are very tall and lithe and look more like cheetahs. Uh, this catfolk is particularly tall and wiry and has very large ears, um, but a very short tail. And uh, they have a sort of beautiful golden coat with black and white markings on it. And they are dressed in just the most uh, random assortment of the gaudiest clothes possible. It looks like they ran through basically like a thrift shop and grabbed like uh, every like child's like fairy princess costume covered in sequins and every single like piece of fake jewelry they could find and like maybe some curtains that they just really liked because they were extra colorful and had tassels and just sort of threw it all on and then ran out the door again. They are sitting next to a uh, half-elven, uh, ha you presume half-human, uh, man who looks uh, middle-aged. He has uh, dark skin. Um, he looks fairly nondescript. He's wearing simple traveling clothes, uh, and he's uh, sort of just eating a bowl of soup and drinking an ale. And then you see... Uh, sort of picking up a couple of glasses uh, and uh, wiping them with a rag, you see uh, a man who looks a little unusual. You haven't seen someone like this before, at least I don't think any of you have. You can kind of gather by looking at him that he is half uh, elvish and half tiefling. So he has sort of um, dusky indigo colored, uh, skin, um, with ears that are pointed, but smaller than a normal tieflings. He has curly dark hair and rather small horns. And he does have a tail, but it is shorter than, uh, than a full tiefling's tail would be. Uh, he seems very morose and sort of gloomy as he, uh, picks up and, and, uh, wipes down, uh, a few glasses and uh, and is sort of like dusting the tables, starts stacking some tables and chairs in a corner when he's done doing that. Hello? I think everyone in the room jumps at the same time. Uh, except the tiefling, uh, or the half-tiefling man, who just sort of whips around and looks at you and then just sort of shrugs and shakes his head. So you're familiar with what what's going on? I think... 
the cat folk uh, grins at you. What's going on? Uh, you mean, I assume you're referring to the gloaming? Yes. And uh, Casimir uh, nods and says, yes, uh, uh, we've, we've come to, uh, to make our way to the Twilight City. Good evening, Potley. And uh, the half-tiefling man sort of nods and uh, grunts in his direction. I'm packing up, Casimir. Uh, we're, we're shutting the place down. Can't stay here any longer. It's too dangerous. And Cass says, Oh, one last uh, glass of ale before uh, you hit the road? And he says, Yeah, yeah, just, uh, just help yourself to... Uh, to what's in the the last keg I've got back over there. And what's your name, I asked the cat folk. Uh, my name is Sonnet. Uh, but you can call me whatever you like, they say. And they give you a roguish wink. Well, it's delightful to meet you. I'm Flower. Oh, Flower. What a beautiful, florid, blossoming name you have. Trips right off the tongue. Four arms, eh? That's not something you see every day. Neither is your fashion style. That is quite remarkable. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, they flash just a completely obscene amount of uh, fake jewels at you. Incredible. Where'd you get all those? Oh, here and there. Pick things up. Uh, you, uh, where did you find, uh, where'd you pick up your companions? Don't see some like them every day. Silver Dragonborn? All the way down here? He must be sweating buckets. This is Athens. Are you doing okay, Athens? I am definitely sweating very heavily. It is very hot. It's very hot, and I'm used to very tall mountains. Yeah. Uh, flower, uh, the the climate here, you're used to the heat, although you're used to a more steamy heat, and this is a yeah, definitely a dry, dry heat. Yeah, but it's still not completely unpleasant. Kid sweating too and pulling at his collar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys have arrived in sort of the most deserty region of Soloon, uh, basically at midday, so it is uh, hot as balls outside. If this were Breath of the Wild, we'd have to start cross-dressing right about now. Nothing is stopping you. I mean, touche. You have to start what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Sonnet would love to see some cross-dressing going on right now, but... Uh, Especially maybe on I flower, that would they be. They would. Oh, they would love it. Yeah, um, their companion, uh, the the half elf, um, uh, doesn't seem to be saying uh, too much. Uh, he's just drinking his uh, his glass of ale slowly. Kitten definitely like taking off his like outer layer like jacket or whatever. He's usually wearing like something over his undershirt or whatever. Casimir uh, looks at you and says. Yes, uh, it's it's warm here. Um, uh, it won't be a problem once you actually get inside the affected area, uh, which, um, as you've you've heard uh, the people here say, uh, people are calling it the gloaming. Uh, so once you get inside, um, as I said, it's sort of a perpetual twilight in there, uh, and the temperature is very comfortable, so you shouldn't shouldn't suffer. All right. Is there anything we need to do before we go in? I think as uh, Casimir goes to get some uh, glasses of ale for you from the keg Potley pointed out, um, Sonnet looks at you guys, uh, looks you all up and down. Say, uh, 
Are you folks, uh, you heading, in heading into the gloaming? That's, uh, it's brave of you. Not many would do that. We're very brave. Oh, I can tell. What, uh, what do you seek in there? Uh, must be something pretty fantastic to, uh, impel you to take such a treacherous risk. Well, so you know about the Exalted, right? <laughs> Cadence. Kaden looks at flowers like, are we really going to tell them exactly why we're here? Just that's the look on his face. Like, I can't believe he just said that. Yeah, yeah. Cat, uh, yeah. Casimir's Casimir's ears immediately stand up on end uh, as he's like filling glasses, and <laughs> he might end up throwing one of them at Flower if someone else doesn't stop him. Well, I think I put my hand. on You can't even Flower's stop shoulder. on his foot because he doesn't have any feet. Yeah, I I put my hand on his shoulder <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, the exalted. That's uh, that's the term that people have been using for those massive jewels that people have been finding inside the city. Okay, roll a deception check, uh, cause Sonnet is looking at you like, what the actual fuck? Let's see, deception is not a strong suit of mine. Nope, no, you fuckers are bad at lying. Yeah, that's a six. Sonnet looks at you, and they furrow their brow, but then they flash you an enormous grin, and they say, Yes, the giant jewels, those interested me as well. I mean, you can tell I have excellent taste. Of course. Of course, yes. Uh, oh, so you're treasure hunters then, eh? Of a sort. Yes. Yep. Uh, roll me a... Roll me a- Oh, what's the right term? Uh, a late perception check as well. Who? All of you. Twelve. Five. Man, you're supposed to have great perception checks. It's like the one thing you're always good at. <laughs> All right, so I've got a twelve, a five, and flower. What was yours? Thirteen. All right. Not really too much success there. Flower, I think maybe as you say that, you maybe notice Sonnet's half-elf uh, companion. I think maybe his hand twitches a little bit. But it could just be nothing. You don't think much of it. I look at Casimir. Is he still on edge after that? After that exchange of words? Uh, he's not too happy looking, but he's he's trying to hide it. He quickly rushes back over with the ale and, and uh, gives one to Flower and says, uh, Drink up, my friend. Uh, you're going to need uh, all the uh, liquid courage you can get. Here you go, too. He hands one to uh, Caden and Athanasius. Won't this dehydrate me? In the desert? Casimir says, uh, The dungeon master actually doesn't know about whether alcohol dehydrates you, so... But the DM's Fancy also pretty alcohol. sure that uh, in ancient times, people drank a lot of alcohol because water was unsafe to drink. Yeah, I go ahead and drink it. If for no other reason, then I'm trying to diffuse the situation that Flower created. Uh, Sonnet looks up at you and says, Well... They offer whole pints here. <laughs> it comes in pints? <laughs> sure, it comes in pints. You've had a whole half already. Sonnet looks up at you and grinning, they say, Well, may the best treasure hunters win then. And they raise their glass in a toast. I certainly intend to come back with fabulous riches. I clink their glass. And uh, after that, I think, I think they point over their shoulder uh, and say, Say, if you're heading in there too, uh, you might want to talk with Joe outside. Uh, 
I don't know her well. Seen her a couple times. But, uh, seems like, uh, she was looking to maybe hire someone to do a job for her inside. Uh, it's not really my kind of thing, but, uh, yeah, if you're adventurers, and he kind of looks at, uh, all your swords and shit, <laughs> especially, like, flowers kind of, like, aren't to the teeth, right? You guys have, like, big packs on and everything. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, except Caden. <laughs> Caden's just there. Yeah, Kate. Caden probably looks like the most ordinary and also might not have been noticed. Well, it was a pleasure meeting you, Sonnet. Uh, we hope to see you around. Oh, likewise. All right, let's go talk to Joe, perhaps, then. That's it for this week. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please give us a rating and review to help others join our adventure. You can find out more about the show and how to get in touch with us on our website, talesfromthetablecast.com. And you can find us on Twitter, at TableTalesCast. This podcast was edited by Cloud and Audrey and produced by Cloud. Special thanks to Matt Marshall for his awesome advice. Our theme music is 8-Bit Adventure by Adhesive Wombat. This is your Dungeon Master, Cloud, and I hope you'll join us next week on Tales from the Table.